There are some big feelings in the Nashville hockey community about the recent roster moves the Predators have made. On today's Locked on Predators, we're going to take a closer look at three of the most talked about roster moves Nashville's made in the last few days. And we're going to break down whether we are in or whether we're out on the decisions. All that's coming up on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Predators podcast, and thank you for making us your first listen every day. I am Ann Kimmel. I am a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan. Nick is off today, but do not fret. He will be back tomorrow, and we've got a great show coming up for you tomorrow. Uh, but today, wow, lots of big feelings in the Nashville hockey community about the recent Predators roster moves. And so we're going to take a deeper dive into three of those moves that have the most um, most people talking. Some good, some not so good. We're going to break down the logic behind these moves. And we are even going to hear from John Hines himself as he answered some hard questions today about the Predators roster. So First, let's start with kind of the one that there's not going to be a lot of debate about because what is done is done. And that is goaltender Connor Ingram going to Arizona. The Predators placed Connor Ingram on waivers and he was picked up by the Arizona Coyotes. This is not at all something I think most Nashville Predators fans wanted. Connor Ingram was a fan favorite on and off the ice. Granted, he did not see a ton of ice time in front of the Predators crowd. But what we did see from Connor Ingram was a player who was developing, a player who was improving, a player who was able to step in in extremely high-pressure situations, for instance, in Game 2 of a first-round playoff series where the starting goaltender was out and the first backup was having a rough time. Connor Ingram came into that series in particular and really did about as well as you could expect playing against a team with the offensive firepower that the Colorado Avalanche had. So I think a lot of people, even after that sweep, even after, you know, Ingram giving up the amount of goals that he did through that series, I do think everybody in Nashville was still really ready to see where this could go. What could Connor Ingram become here in Nashville? All that, of course, went out the window when Kevin Lankinen was signed this offseason, one-year, $1.5 million contract, which sort of indicated, wait a second, we all thought we were getting a little Connor Ingram here. Um, and when training camp opened, John Hines, David Poyle were pretty upfront about the fact that they wanted the goaltending position to be a position that was competitive. They really wanted these two to compete for the job. It feels a little odd to pay someone $1.5 million to compete for a job because like, here's the deal. If somebody is paying me $1.5 million, you can assume safely I'm doing the job. 
But Ingram and Lankanen both did get some chances in the preseason in training camp. And I think if we're all very honest, Lankanen won that job regardless of contract size. I think Kevin Lankanen really came in and showed that he was more than his past season with the Chicago Blackhawks statistics, which were not numerically impressive at all. But um, Lankanen has um, really a lot of talent. He plays very similar to UC Soros. I think that he had some really impressive play in the preseason, won the starting position. I think it was pretty evident when he got the second start in Prague that, that this is the way that the wind was blowing for Connor Ingram. Ingram did go on waivers again, claimed by the Arizona Coyotes. And look, it stinks. Like, that's just what's real. If, if we're talking hockey from the heart, it stinks. Connor Ingram, again, favorite on and off the ice for a million reasons. Um, but if you really step back and you look at this from a completely practical standpoint, this is a situation that makes the most sense for the Nashville Predators, regardless of Kevin Lankinen. And it also makes the most sense for Connor Ingram. If you look at the pipeline here in Nashville, you have Yaroslav Askarov. And if you got a chance to see him in training camp or at rookie camp, you realize this young goaltender is really special. Now, of course, he's got a lot that he needs to develop. He is not ready to replace UC Saros and Net by any stretch of the imagination. But this is somebody that you can see with a couple of years of Carl Taylor and coaching staff in Milwaukee working with him. Yaroslav Askarov is going to be a long-term goaltender for the Nashville Predators down the line. And what Nashville needs right now is sort of a, a bridge between UC Saros and the time where Askarov can come in and be the backup. And eventually, someday, if heaven forbid, I know it's going to happen, but when UC Saros retires, you know, Askarov can step in and kind of be that next guy. So there's a very linear pipeline here that just has this little kind of two-year, maybe three-year break in it. And, you know, that's not enough time for somebody like like Connor Ingram to build uh, a, a resume, an NHL resume. You know, he deserves to be invested in. He deserves to be developed. And all of that effort is going to go into Askarov for the Nashville Predators. It's just what's real. So he is headed to Arizona. This is going to be a chance for Connor Ingram to develop in a different system where there's a long-term commitment to him. He is the backup in Arizona. And he is backing up uh, Carl Vamelka, who has played uh, 52 games. Uh, he is 13, 32, and 3. He has a 3.68 goals against and a 0.898 save percentage. So there is a situation in Arizona where lots of development in the goaltending situation is probably going to take place. So this is, you know not ideal for the hockey heart. It makes sense to the hockey mind, to the hockey head. And so Connor Ingram, wish you well. You are one of the funniest. I'm telling y'all, Connor Ingram is one of the funniest people I know on social media, regardless of hockey, not hockey, breath of fresh air. So we will continue to follow you on social media, Connor Ingram. But I think this is just 
where Nashville needs to be headed, regardless, again, of Kevin Lankinen. Had Ingram gotten this starting job, he really would have only had two, maybe three seasons of development and investment from the Predators organization to really get enough um, get enough statistics, get enough experience, get enough practice that would make him valuable to an organization when it came time for Askarov. So this is kind of where it's going to land. Connor Ingram, Arizona kind of sucks. He's going to get more starts there than he would get here anyway. So uh, that's where that one is. So I would say when it comes to this roster move, um, I'm in. I'm in on this. I'm sad about it, but I'm in on this. Now, I know people are going to say we should have gotten something for, from Ingram. You know, if this was the way the wind was blowing, we should have been able to get something for Ingram in a trade. You know, I, I think it speaks to the fact that it was a genuine uh, competition in training camp that they didn't pursue that avenue. So this is where we're at. Hate to see him go, but I'm in on Connor Ingram being in Arizona, and I am in on Kevin Lincoln and being the backup for UC Soros. So that's where we're at on the goaltending. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk about another player that has been actually not just a hot topic here in Nashville, but a hot topic in the NHL as he has been featured a lot in the Behind the Glass uh, NHL Network's docu-series. We're going to be talking about Cody Glass in just a moment. First, want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Simply Safe utilizes advanced technology, whether it's controlling your system from your phone with an app, watching the crystal clear live HD stream of your security cameras, or they have a wide variety of high tech sensors. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you are not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. Coming up tomorrow on Locked On Predators, we are having a vibe check episode and we need you and your input. So today, go to at locked L O Predators 
on Twitter. That's at LO underscore predators. I'm going to get it right. LO underscore predators on Twitter. We want you to take part in our poll thread. We are trying to get a gauge of how you, the fans, are feeling as we kick off the home opener tomorrow against the Dallas Stars. So we want to know things like, where do you think the Predators are going to finish in the Central Division? Curious who you think is most likely to repeat their stats from last season. We just want to get a gauge. How confident is the fan base going into 2022-23? We need your vote. Again, you can find us at LO underscore Predators. Got it right that time. And we're going to break down the results on tomorrow's show. Today, we are still processing through and working through our big early season roster feelings. And next up, I want to talk about Cody Glass. So this is just a, a story that's kind of captured Nashville's heart. I think it's also sort of captured the heart of the NHL in general through, like I said, the document, uh, the docuseries behind the glass. They've really featured a lot of Cody Glass's journey in preseason, which has not, like, let's face it, it has not been an easy walk for him. In the two games that Cody Glass has played in Prague, he has one assist. He assisted on, uh, I believe it was Ellie Tolvanen's goal in the first game. Here's what's real about Cody Glass. And this is, again, we're talking, like right now, I'm going to talk to you from my hockey heart. Uh, it is very easy to root for Cody Glass. This is a player that you really want to see be successful and not just because it benefits the Nashville Predators. This is an individual that you want to see be successful. Glass has been through it all. I mean, this is a young player. I think he's 23 years old. Um, he was drafted in the first round with some names like Kale McCarr, Nick Suzuki. So, you know, he he's seen his draft class really have maybe what appears to be an easier path to success that they've had. Cody Glass has been through it. He faced a devastating injury, had surgery, had a couple of injuries actually, was traded from Vegas in, in a trade that I think caught him off guard, and then came to Nashville and played just a few games at the beginning of last season and end. I think it was evident he wasn't where the Predators wanted him to be. And so he spent the majority of his season in Milwaukee. And we're going to touch on the whole season in Milwaukee thing coming up. Um, but again, you know, we've been able to watch Cody Glass through this uh, docu-series. And of course, everybody was kind of talking about and tweeting and getting choked up over the scene where Cody Glass found out that he was, in fact, getting to go to Europe. I still, like, full disclosure, still can't watch it without getting a little choked up over him. Um, but making this comeback, look, this has not been easy. And I think you see it as Cody shares just the nerves, the pressure that he's felt, uh, the relief he felt when he found out he was going to Europe with the team. This has been a really, really hard road. And, you know, I, I think everybody is rooting for him because he's done the work. This has not been glamorous. Cody Glass's last year has not been glamorous, but he went to Milwaukee. He took advantage of an opportunity that, quite frankly, could have made him bitter and a little bit pissy. And he took advantage of that. And I think we're seeing the fruits of 
not only his physical development, but just somebody who really went into this with a good mental game and, and a good spirit. So he was asked today at the media event kind of how he's feeling about making the roster, what kind of a relief it is, and sort of what has it been like working with the staff as he has done the work to earn his spot on the roster. So this is what Cody Glass had to say today. 100%. I think uh, a lot of weight's been lifted. Um, you know, nerves are kind of at rest, but I think uh, it's just a good step in the right direction. I feel like there's plenty of a uh, year left, so a lot of things can happen. But I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. It's got to feel good, like the coaching staff, the, the organization has put a lot of faith in you, a lot of trust in you. I think so. Um, you know, they've been really positive with me, and um, with going down to the AHL last year and playing a full year there, um, you know, sometimes you think, uh, they're not doing the right thing, but no, I fully trust them and I believe in them. They believe in me. And that's the one thing I loved about being uh, in this organization is everyone's just so thoughtful and I've really appreciate everything and um, everything they've done for me. So I want to touch on what he talked about just right at the end there, talking about the coaching staff and the management and how they've handled this kind of rocky trajectory that he has been on. And look, this is what's real. Uh, I know one of the criticisms of Predators media in Nashville is that everybody says nice things and nobody's willing to say hard things. And here's what's real. I know you can say a lot of things about this organization. You can talk about the fact that, you know, you're frustrated the team didn't get a return for Ingram via a trade. Or, you know, you can kind of joke about, you know, David Poyle likes one kind of player and one kind of player only and on and on. Um, and, and there has been a lot of frustration about some things that have happened in this in this organization. But the one thing I feel like Predators fans have to understand is that this is an organization that has a great development system. And I think it's easy to see players like Philip Forsberg or to see players even in the league at large kind of show up and just jump off the ice and and have this amazing talent. But I think You've got to remember that that is the exception. That is not the rule. Hockey players do not show up on the ice in the NHL fully formed like they've leapt from the brow of Zeus or something. You know, there is a whole lot of investment that goes into these players. And I think we need to give credit to the Nashville Predators organization and to the Milwaukee Admirals because they are good at developing players. Now, I get it. Sometimes we have that whole thing where the forwards come here and they're just okay and they go somewhere else and they're great. But I don't think that that's a reflection on the development system in place here in Nashville. Another thing that I think we have to give credit to the coaching staff and management for is that they are good at communicating. You know, we have heard in this preseason players saying that this organization is good at communicating what they need to do, what they need to focus on, what is expected of them. And I think that that's huge. You know, Matt Duchesne, a veteran, has said even this preseason how important communication has been, that John Hines communicating expectations, John Hines communicating what is going to happen, what these players can expect from him and what he expects from them. Communication is key. And I think that that's something that we are seeing with head coach John Hines in place and with this organization. So I think we have to give them credit for that. The other thing that I hope that Nashville fans don't ever 
forget to appreciate is how fortunate this organization is to be in a relationship with Milwaukee Admirals, Carl Taylor, and the coaching staff that he's assembled in Milwaukee. Absolutely um, an incredible at you know an incredible benefit to the Predators organization, what happens in Milwaukee. And you can see this looking at some of the players on the roster now. You know, you have Ellie Tolvanen. When Ellie Tolvanen was drafted, he was kind of created a lot of buzz. He was kind of the forward Askarov, if you will, came into the league and he was known for his shot. He spent two full seasons in the AHL with Milwaukee. And by the time Ellie Tolvanen made it to the NHL, he showed up on the ice with a much more well-rounded 200-foot game. And we saw that last season. Now, look, the time in Milwaukee is what ultimately kept him in the NHL last season when his shot was lacking. I mean, a huge scoring drought. I mean, it was hard to watch. But because he had taken the time in the development system in Milwaukee with Carl Taylor to develop a game and a style of play that was going to benefit the team in other ways, he was still able to contribute. Now, I know he was healthy scratched, but really, if you think about it, if he had not developed a 200-foot game, what would be the point of keeping Ellie Tolvanen here in Nashville? They helped make him a better NHL player. You know, John Hines has spoken a lot about Milwaukee and about how important time in the AHL is. And he was asked about it again, especially with regards to the player we're going to talk about next. And and this is sort of what he had to say when it came to the importance of development through the AHL program. It's going to be a competitive team. It's hard to develop it's hard to develop in the NHL in the sense that, you know, when you when you play in the American League, you have less games, you have less travel, you have more practice time, uh, you have more playing time. And, you know, when you're in the NHL, you have more in the in American League, you have more time to train off the ice. You know, when you get to the NHL schedule, you know, as you guys see, once we get going, I mean, it's you're practicing, you're practicing for recovery and slight tactics to go through. A lot of times you're not practicing for player development, where if. You know, you play two games, you play Friday, Saturday in the American League, Sunday's off. You don't play again until Wednesday, like Monday, Tuesday, you can practice. Or you might not play until Friday, where there's extra skill development, there's more time for training, uh, there's less travel. And, you know, that's a big component of helping a young player be able to be be able to develop where when you get here, it's about performance and you're trying. It's a hard league to catch up in. And that's why, uh, you know, the American League is is an important development part of what your organization is and you know our guys do a good job there but I think the, the schedule and it's a development league this isn't a development league and that's where you know we feel like those guys go down and they play in key situations and um, and they have that that extra time to work on things that that you don't necessarily get to at the NHL level. And I understand for players who want to be at the NHL level, players who have been at the NHL level, players like Cody Glass, who has played NHL minutes, it's a tough thing to be sent down to the AHL. You can take that as a a demotion. You can take it as um, a, a vote of no confidence in your game. But really what it is is an opportunity for these players to get better. And Nashville is very fortunate that they have Milwaukee and Carl Taylor and the entire staff in Milwaukee 
able to pour into these players. When you look at Cody Glass, his performance this season, where he is at at this point early in the season, the way he's performed during the preseason, his time in Milwaukee has helped his on-ice skills. It has helped his conditioning. It has helped his confidence. It is about all of those things that you get when you get quality ice time. Coming up, we're going to talk about another player in the AHL. That's right. We're going to we're just going to go there. We're going to talk about Phil Tomasino and what his time in Milwaukee may look like and, you know, why is he there? That's a hot button issue. We're going to dive into that in a second, but First, I want to thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen today. Locked on Predators has your team every day. We want you to make your second listen today. Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Steal and Flip bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice. Monday through Friday, you can get Locked on Fantasy Hockey available on YouTube, Audacity, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. So okay, we're just we're just gonna dive in. We're gonna tackle the elephant in the room. We're gonna talk about Phil Tomasino. So if you have missed the news, Phil Tomasino did not make the final roster for the Nashville Predators. He is starting the season in Milwaukee, uh, much to the frustration of a lot of people. And so we kind of put some feelers out to see what the initial reaction was. And we're going to have some more poll questions about Tomasino on Twitter for tomorrow's episode. So again, Check us out, LO underscore Predators. Vote in our poll thread. Um, but we put a poll out yesterday just to kind of take the temperature right away. And it was uh, really interesting feedback. So we asked, what do you think of Phil Tomasino starting the year in Milwaukee? This is a good move. 27.5% of you said, okay, this is a good move. Um 36.3% said, I understand it, but I disagree with it. And 36.3% answered L-M-A-O-W-T-F is this. I was trying really hard not to actually read those out loud. Not appropriate. So basically what we learned is that about 82% of the people who answered our poll either disagree or think that maybe the Preds fans are being punked by this move. They are out on this. I got to tell you, I'm a little bit in on this. So let's dig into why. I don't think that Tomasino necessarily had a bad camp. I think that Phil Tomasino looked okay. Uh, he looked good in the beginning with Nino, Nino, Nina Ryder, and Johansson. But as other players were cycled in, they just, that line was just more effective. And you can like it, you can hate it, but you got to acknowledge it. So, that's kind of why we wanted to get a gauge, you know, wh where are y'all feeling? Are you liking it? Are you hating it? Are, are, or are we just not going to even bother acknowledging it? We got some interesting replies too on um, that tweet. So we had Holtzy88 who replied, I am somewhere between this is a good move and understand but disagree. I think he had a great year last year. And if there's no spot for him in the top nine, he's much better off playing in the AHL. At the end of the day, this is a competitive team and the best 12 forwards should play. So that's one perspective. We had Troop EK reply, a little different take. Bottom line is he was passed over for this. And he screenshots Cole Smith's stats. 
11 games played in three seasons, zero goals, one assists. He goes on to say, and I am so tired of hearing phrases like plays the right way, does the right things, etc. Put the best players on the ice and stop trying to balance these lines like it's NHL 22. Kid did fine last year. Damned if I would send him down to let Cole Smith play. So two very different perspectives. And I, and I think those are really good representations of kind of the polar opposites that we're hearing in, in Nashville Twitterverse. And I get it. Like, I want to say this, I get the frustration of having a good player available to the team, but not in the lineup. I get that. I get the frustration. I want to push back on that just a little bit. Hear me out. This is not the same team that the Predators put on the ice last season. You know, John Hines pointed that out. This team this season has depth. Last season, they really needed Tomasino up in Nashville because there were not other good options. The team this season, you have more options. You have players that they have brought in. You have AHL players that have progressed. And so it's a different team, you know. I always say that you parent the kid you have. You don't parent the kid you thought you'd have. And I think that the same thing is true when it comes to rosters. The roster in front of you is the only roster that matters. So what Phil Tomasino did last season, while it is really great and while it is indicative of a player who has a tremendous amount of offensive talent, you still got to play the roster in front of you. And that was that last season. This is this season, you know, and, and, you know, I kind of laugh about, you know, this is not NHL 22 and, and I really do see the, the spirit behind the comment, but in the end, it really is about balancing lines with the best players. So you can have a really great player, a really good player, but not have a, the right spot for them, or maybe it's just not the right time. So even though Tomasino played here last season, I don't think that it is a slam on him or a critique of him when Hines says things like, you know, it's a new season, it's a new year. I don't think he's kind of side-eyeing him saying he's not performing as well. I think he's saying, I've got a whole different roster to work with. You got to you gotta play the roster you've got. Another thing that um, John Hines was very careful to say and that I think is very true is that Phil Tomasino is, at his core, with his talent level, a top six player. When you look at this season's roster, what he's going to get are probably fourth line minutes. And those minutes are not going to help him because you have players who are fitting in better that are working a little bit better right now right now with Nita Ryder and Joe Hansen. That's not to say that it's not going to change. Look, these rosters are not like hieroglyphics chipped into stone. This can all change. And so I think we all have to breathe and, and realize that. But there are players who are playing better on that second line right now than what Tomasino did. What is the point of keeping him here in Nashville and giving him fourth line minutes? It's like if you have a standout junior varsity sprinter on the track team, but because there isn't enough room for him to race on varsity, instead you tell him like, hey, practice time, go throw shot put. Like you're not helping Phil Tomasino giving him minutes and giving him practice at a role that ultimately is probably not where he's going to be played. And I think that that is a large part of the decision to send him to the AHL. 
Also, like, let's be real careful about throwing around stats. So, yeah, Cole Smith's stats, not not super terrific for sure. But you know what? Um, Philip Forsberg played 18 games in two seasons, and he only had one goal. Cody Glass played 10 games. He had zero goals, two assists, two points. Kevin Fiala, when he was here in two seasons, he had six games, one goal, one point. Like, how you start is not necessarily how you're going to finish. And look, Cole Smith isn't at the start of his career. I understand that. But he's also not playing on the same team he was on last season. Again, it's it's a different roster. You got You got to play the roster you've got. Parent the kids you've got. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that, that Cole Smith is like long-term solution to any sort of predator's holes that they had last season. I don't know that, but he is an option. And right now he's an option that's working. Again, is he going to last? I don't know. But for right now, this is an option that's working. And John Hines has options. Didn't have that last season. So the idea that Tomasino is better off or that the team is better off with him on the fourth line and Smith in Milwaukee, I just don't think that it fits together. Um, so John Hines, you know, he faced some really difficult questions, very tough questions from the media and appreciate his frankness. He was asked, so what do you want to see Phil Tomasino work on in his time in Milwaukee? This is what he had to say. A couple things. I think that he's, you know, he, he turned some nice plays in training camp, but I think the, you know, the shift in, the shift out, uh, the ability to, you know, play at a high pace, use his skill set, the competitive level you need to play with without the puck. Uh, he has it. He, he's shown even last year, like he's shown signs and spurts of it. But, you know, it's important for him to be able to how, how do we help him grow his game, his, his game where he can do that night in and night out and play those types of minutes. You know, we didn't see him doing that right out of the bat. Uh, with our team. So, you know, that's what we're looking for for him. Also, a big component of his game is the power play. And sometimes when you're only getting 30 seconds, you know, you're not you're not getting a, a ton of ice time, but you're an offensive guy and you don't get some touches on the power play because our guys are there. Now, that's all those things you consider when you look at a young offensive guy like him. So just a couple real quick points I want to make about that. First of all, I think we need to just take a minute. And and there are people in Nashville that love John Hines. There are people in Nashville that really do not like John Hines. They are not fans of this hire and they don't think that he's the right fit for the organization long-term. And, and I understand that there are people across the spectrum on John Hines. One thing I do want to say is it is very refreshing to ask a hard question of the head coach of the Predators and receive a thoughtful, honest, answer. You don't have to agree with it. You might not agree with it and that's okay. But at least John Hines is willing to stand up, take the hard questions and answer them with more than the two words roster decision. So I just want to put that out there, whether you like John Hines or not, I respect him for answering questions and being forthright with them. The second thing I want to say is that this is not the end of Phil Tomasino. This is not a goodbye. We have not broken up with him. I understand the frustration of having a talented player that is not on the ice for Nashville right now, but that's for right now. There is no need to sing a requiem for Phil Tomasino at this point in his career. It is not over. We have not spoken anything over him. This move by John Hines and by management speaks nothing over his future with the organization. So I think everybody needs to take a deep breath. Am I in or am I out on this? 
I'm actually in on this. And it hurts me to say, because like most everyone else, I see the talent that Phil Tomasino has. He is a terrifically talented offensive player. This may not be the right time. And this may be a really great opportunity for him. So everybody breathe. I suspect we'll see him back sooner rather than later. But we actually want to know when you think, or if you think we'll see Phil Tomasino back. So again, Go to LO underscore predators on Twitter. That's going to be one of our Twitter poll thread questions. So jump in there, give us your responses, tell us what you think. We want to talk about that tomorrow. Also on tomorrow's show, the Predators are going to be taking on the Dallas Stars, and we are going to have a game breakdown, a little preview for you as we talk through our Twitter poll results. So all of that is going to be coming up tomorrow on Locked on Predators. I do want to thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen of the day. Again, Nick will be back tomorrow with me. We're going to dive in, get you ready for the Dallas game. Hope that you will join us then. In the meanwhile, have a great day.